Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey there, it's Zach. I'm still by myself. Laura's still uh, gone, uh, having the time of her life. I just saw some pictures of her from Russia um, and her kid, uh, who apparently is able to nap anywhere. So here's the deal. We're still on a little bit of a hiatus. So I had an opportunity today, actually, to interview Claudia Graf Grounds. And she wrote a book called We've Had This Fight Before. Earlier, if you've listened to the podcast, you may have heard, uh, heard us review the book last fall. Um, but I did it. I reviewed it without reading it. And then I read it and I love it. And I think it's a book that you should have on your shelf, whether you're a couple or a therapist. And uh, she just was so smart and so fun to talk to. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation. So stick around. Hi, thanks for joining us. Hi, Zach. Nice to be with you. Where are you right now? So I'm in my hometown, San Diego, California. Just uh, returned after being about 18 years in Seattle. So it's uh, going back to the home of our children and kids. So it's pretty cool. San Diego, you said? Yeah. Is it hot there? No, it's beautiful. It's about 78. Oh, nice. Um, And so what are you doing? Like, what do you do for fun? What I do for fun, I go to the beach and I go to movies. We do big parties for uh, Academy Awards. So I stay up with all the movies and, um, and then I play with my, I have a grandbaby here and a grandbaby on the way. So play with grandbabies. Yeah. You said maybe today your kids were coming back from the airport or something? Right. Our oldest kids are moving from Washington, D.C. back here to San Diego to live with us after being away for 16 years. So it's yeah. pretty cool. So when you were in Seattle, what were you doing? I know, but I want to let everybody else know. <laughs> okay. So I moved up to Seattle in 2000 to be the chair of the Immersion Family Therapy Program at Seattle Pacific University. So it was to kind of grow the program at that time and to get it under national accreditation and to build a team around that. Very cool. And are you still in education? I am. Before I was at uh, Seattle Pacific University, I taught for 10 years at University of San Diego and uh, wrote a textbook that 
is used a lot called essential skills and family therapy with the team down here. So when I came back, I get to teach there again. So I'm teaching part-time, doing some supervision at University of San Diego now. So do you have like a, like a kind of a core philosophy when you think about uh, particularly couples work? Because we're on marriage therapy radio. We don't do a ton of like parenting or family stuff. But when you think about couples work, what is your, where does your head go? That was always my specialty since I was interested in doing couples therapy. I think it came from my own um, family background where my parents were really, really different. And I had a good relationship with both of them, but I had to kind of bridge the gap between those differences. So uh, I think I got trained early to know how to do that. And I was how um, the specialization worked in that time was mostly behavioral therapy that I was trained in in the early years but it really didn't work with a lot of different therapists. So over time, I've just p- continued to grow and learn about couples therapy in a lot of different ways and try things myself and come up with my own ideas. And I've yeah. done training. I teach classes in couples therapy for years and years. So it's kind of integrating all my ideas um, when I do couples therapy. The biggest thing is I think that most couples don't know how to become a we. They, mm-hmm. they fight, uh, kind of compete to be the me mm-hmm. in the relationship and win. Yeah. Like my, my way is my way and you just give into my way and they don't know how to create this new system of relationship. That's the we yeah. without either losing the me or, or competing. Yeah. So that's kind of my main philosophy is how do you, how do you create a healthy we um, with all the differences that those that you bring in, in a couple. Yeah. That's funny. I just, I just had a client yesterday, actually a couple yesterday. And they were doing that exact same thing. I was watching them kind of go back and forth about what happened mm-hmm. over the weekend, like on what it was like, what, was it Thursday or was it Friday? And was it on the phone or was it over text? And, what, and they're trying to recreate this, this argument. And I finally just said, what is the end of this? Like, is the end of this that one of you goes, you're right. You win. I, I was wrong. And uh, point for you. And they both were like, no. And I said, well, that's certainly how you're talking. You're certainly yes. talking like that's the end of it. So yeah. What is the we end, you know? So I dig it. I dig it. I also probably the other piece of philosophy is that I've had the privilege of not only training therapists, but physicians and clergy. And so my my, kind of my training has been more holistic. So I think one of the things that's distinctive about me is I really do pay attention to the biology of coupling Mm. where people's differences are, you know, genetic, inherited, um, you know, their brains are wired differently. Their, you know, their personalities are wired differently and they have, and they bring that into coupling and they have to make, that's not going to change. That's inherently who they are. They have to make room for that in each other. So I think there's a biological and also kind of a spiritual side of things around couples that a lot of people don't pay attention to. So mine's a little broader, I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, the reason I got you on is because I did you a disservice earlier this year or last year. We, um, so I had a client come in who um, was a wife of, of a heterosexual couple, and she'd been in her own personal therapy. And her therapist had given her your book. And I didn't read the book. I just let, let her describe it to me. And when I listened to her description, I was like, I don't know. That sounds kind of like not that, not that interesting to me. And so we actually talked about it on the podcast. And I sort of, down, I sort of put it down before I even read it. And then I read it. And I love it. I think it's such a great resource in part because of what you're talking about, um, which is this idea of becoming a we. And then also there's so much 
sort of integrated knowledge in it. You know, Laura and I are both certified Gottman therapists. So we tend to veer toward sort of all of that kind of research base as primary, but mm-hmm. yours has a ton of just different uh, res- uh, sort of inputs, including John's, but like different therapists or different clinicians or different authors that you've collected in a really concise way. So I want to let you talk about it. I want you to, so the book is, we've had this fight before. Tell me about how you wrote it and when, when did, how did it come about? What, what's it been like for you to have a, to become a published author? <laughs> Thanks. Well, I appreciate that you gave it a chance and looked at it and, uh, you know, because the philosophy behind it is, you know, couples don't have three fights. They have, they don't have 300 fights. They have three fights. Right. So it seems kind of simplistic, but it really comes from like clinical knowledge and wisdom. It actually started because I was in a adult education church youth group and we were doing stuff on relationships. And I said, well, they said, Claudia, why don't you talk about couples? Because like, mm-hmm. that's something you do and you've been working with it for, you know, 15, 20 years. So I outlined it and that's kind of the outline of the book, to be honest. I mean, over time it's developed and the research part of it's pretty clear. Being an academic, you pay attention yeah. to that kind of stuff. But it's really my clinical wisdom where I sit with couples and they kind of have different needs. And then, so therefore different theories, different perspectives, different skills um, are going to be helpful to work with the couple. And that's where I came from. So the synthesis of the book is basically um, there's biological fights, there's psychosocial fights, and there's spiritual fights. I, I would say in some, at least that's the mindset I have behind it which has to do with, you know, why can't you be more like me, which is yeah. more of the biological fights? Why can't you be more like my family, which is the psychosocial fights, how we're trained in our upbringing? And most of couples therapy plays with that domain. And then uh, why can't you understand my pain, which has to do with like a transcendent or bigger meaning that couples really get mm-hmm. to a lot of times to say, what is this? What's life about? How does a relationship bring in healing or continue in the hurt that I've come up from. Mm. So when I'm talking about spirituality, I'm talking about kind of a larger meaning purpose. And it has a lot to do with trauma and how Mm. everybody brings at least a little bit of trauma into a relationship. So there's biology, there's psychosocial aspects, and there's spirituality in uh, how couples fight. So I try to figure that out as like a detective. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's my favorite metaphor. When couples come in, I ask, I ask them early on, I say, what are you looking for? Do you want like a a coach, a wizard, a doctor, mm-hmm. a, priest, a father, you know, yeah. a cheerleader. A great question. And, um, and they'll say, Oh, well, do you, can, can I get a, can I get a wizard? <laughs> you know, or you just like, that means that as well. but I tend, I tend to want to play detective because I think that there is this kind of solving to do. But yeah. um, I think the piece that I pushed back on when I, before I read the book was this idea of why can't you be more like my family? Um, I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit. Like, what is the, what's the root of that for you as you think about how to make sense of it for couples? The root of that really comes from probably early, my early family therapy training, which was a lot in Bowen, um, Murray Bowen's work, looking at multi-generational legacies that, you know, people bring into their being and how they function and what they do and how they communicate and what, how they have learned to partner or how they react to how they've seen partnering done. So in that, how I can't you be more like my family has to do with that. There's a subtle way in which a couple often is kind of wanting their way or their definition of doing coupling to be the one that wins Mm. and is um, 
kind of played out because of the relationships that they've come from themselves more individually. So as you broaden that capacity to figure that out, it's helpful. And you can use really specific skills. Like I think John Gottman's work is fantastic around, you know, some conflict resolution of practical ideas and communication skills and kind of prioritizing things, but it doesn't always get to that energy, that emotional energy behind it of where does that come from? And sometimes that comes from the family. So that's one fight. Why can't you be more like my family is, you know, why don't we do birthdays this way? That was how I grew up. And how can't you do it this way? Or why don't we parent this way if you're a couple with kids, you know, and there's kind of, or how do, how come we can't spend money this way? And it comes a lot from those legacies of the family. That are both practical and also very strongly emotional. Because that's what you learn just sort of almost like, um, you know how they say that it's easier for children to learn another language when they're younger. um, So it's almost like the learning of what it means to be a family or be a person in a relationship is, is sort of ingrained, almost like language that you've learned as a young person. And it's it's easier. Very well said. Exactly. And it's, and it's deeply in us, in ourselves almost, you know, so it's it's even you're not aware of that so sometimes in couples therapy it's very helpful for us to kind of take a time out from trying to change things and just look at hey what did you grow up with what were the models you had did you react to those models did you like those models do you want to do it differently now if you're couple coupling now at this point and so that's a that's a piece of it and yet that's not the only thing that happens because there are things like, you know, one person sleeps longer than the other, one has more energy or one's more extroverted and introverted. And I think that's another kind of fight, which is more biology. And that's, that's something you have to make room for. You can't just change or negotiate or compromise with family stuff. You can often compromise. You can kind of do a give and take, or we're going to spend time here and we're going to spend time there. But with biology, I don't think there's compromising because it's really how we function well or in our bodies or don't. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's the first fight, the one, why can't you be more like me? Right. And that's the first fight. Sleep yeah. the same as well as me or uh, want to exercise as much as me or whatever. Exactly. Or get, you know, energized. I think there's a lot of things where we're energized. Like some of my kids, uh, you know, have partnered and their partner is more uh, maybe introverted than, yeah. than, uh, their, than their partner is. And so one's more extrovert, one's more introvert. And we see that that happens from the time people are pretty little they get energized by being by themselves or by being with other people and that's not going to change yeah there's introvert i see it on your t-shirt i have a t-shirt that says introvert that i'm wearing right now because i have to remind my wife not to talk to me sometimes (laughs) that's it exactly yeah did you know that we have a phone number 
We do. It's actually a Google Voice number that we have available for folks like you, listeners, who want to ask us a question or uh, offer a suggestion or just tell us that you like us, like this caller, Julie. Julie called us to um, let us know why she became a Patreon donor and why she supports the podcast. Um, We keep the lights on because of folks who contribute monthly and uh, we could really use your help. And if you need an argument about why, then you can listen to Julie here. But also, if you ever want to call us, it's 801-810-6197. Thanks for listening. Here's Julie. Hi, this is Julie, and I became a patron of Marriage Therapy Radio today. I like how your perspectives on relationships are different than the ones I'm typically around, and I appreciate that the episodes are relatively short, which feels manageable. I generally generally listen to them while running. And even though I enjoy them, I've always felt guilty when I hear you club becoming a patron because the lowest category is $5 a month, which amounts to $1.25 an episode, and I know I'm getting more value than $1.25 out of listening each week. I mean, it's a lot less expensive than counseling, so I felt guilty for never following through. But the big reason it took me so long to become a patron is that I was too lazy to figure out how to do it because I've never supported any podcast, and it sounded complicated. So for whatever reason, after listening to the recent episode, I decided to Google how to become a patron for Marriage Therapy Radio, and I opened the page, clicked the link to become a patron, and was even able to remain lazy and use PayPal as opposed to typing in my credit card number. So easy. So now I'll be able to listen to y'all each week and not feel guilty. And I just wanted to share that in case there are others like me who've never supported a podcast and felt overwhelmed at trying to figure out one more task on the to-do list. So thanks so much for bringing the marriage tips and for the rad jokes every week. Bye. So, okay, so we covered maybe the two of them. And then the third one, this idea of why can't you hear my pain or why can't you understand my pain? Talk about that. So I think all people have a certain amount of um, neglect. Nobody's had a perfect upbringing and nobody's had a perfect history of their own coupling. And that stuff gets played out in a longing for a partner to get that part of them to, you know, maybe not criticize them or not shame them. I mean, that's human at one level, but for some people it's punctuated or it's, um, you know, it's kind of layered because of that person's history. So those themes, I think there's themes that come up all the time emotionally in terms of kind of um, vulnerabilities that every person brings in their partnership and longings. And I think our world doesn't prepare people to couple in that way. Mm. We tend to be very pragmatic. We tend to be a really pragmatic culture. And so it's more like a negotiation, like a contract but not like what is there something about attachment and intimacy that provokes human meaning at a broader level. So that's the third fight because it's through pain a lot of times that people existentially figure out what life is for and can you hang in there with somebody even if they're really vulnerable or hurt. Mm. And that gets played out with a couple. And certain kinds of therapy and psychotherapy pay attention to that and certain kinds of therapy and psychotherapy kind of minimize that or don't pay attention to that. So that's kind of that third theme 
that um, in my trainings that you look at a longing for your partner to get you in your vulnerability, to not re-injure you, but to actually soothe you and support you and be there in it, even if you're primitive and childlike and mm. stupid and reactive. It's not rational. It's it's very, you know, stay attached no matter what um, kind of desire or longing. I'm not saying you always do that in a couple relationship, but yeah. that's the longing underneath it. Does that make sense to you? Uh, sort of. I'm about to ask you for some supervision, some free supervision, because right. I had a conversation yesterday with, I think, exactly the same couple that I was describing earlier. And I started to veer into my limited understanding of attachment theory. Because mm-hmm. it was clear to me that one of them was avoidant and one of them was anxious, and they were yeah. playing with that together. And does yeah. that is that an area that you are versed in and can talk to me about in terms of like what do you do when you have somebody who's avoidant pairing up with somebody who's uh, anxious and they're doing um, they're trying to figure out how to make it work? So I wouldn't say it, you know it's my core expertise, but I've done certainly some training around attachment work and Sue Johnson's work and emotionally focused therapy. So in that, you look at the dance that that creates. So attachment is thought of at an individual level, like one person's anxious and one person's avoidant. That's more of that personal level. But then how does that then create a dance between the two of them? So usually the avoidant uh, moves away and the anxious one moves towards. So you have kind of a pursuer, distancer, or in this case, distancer, pursuer kind of dance that the couple is working on. So as a couple, as a therapist, I would start looking at that dance, like mm. the, the rhythm that they both actually are contributors to the dance. They're both dancing with each other. It's not in one person or the other person's domain only. And usually the better place to start in couples therapy is with the avoidant one mm. is to have um, as the therapist to kind of come alongside and kind of push the anxious one to say, I'll get to you. I promise. I promise. And then kind of get to the avoidant one and say, tell me what's going on that you need to pull away. You need to protect yourself. What does it feel like when you're protecting yourself? What are you protecting from and have them talk to you and not to their partner Mm -hmm. and get to the idea is you get down to what we call primary emotions, Mm. um, which is more fear or sadness about something. Mm. And when they get to that, that they would turn and then tell their partner that maybe the sadness of, I feel like I'm never good enough for you. I feel like I'm never going to meet your standards and you're going to somehow figure that out and leave me someday. That scares me. Mm. That, that makes me sad. So I'm going to leave her. You shift the, the conversation from the pursuer distance kind of behavioral level to the uh, primary emotions underneath it. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. In fact, um, I was talking to them and I was uh, thinking about um, that movie Inside Out yeah, with, yeah. with the Pixar characters up in the head. It's a and, great one. Um, and I was saying, you have about five emotions. You've got these five colors right here. Um, but, but anger, you know, is red, but there's also rouge and crimson and blood yeah. and pink and Very nice. you know, scarlet. And she has much more of those, right? She's got all these nuanced feelings, but he goes straight to anger or fear or, right. you know, or he's happy because he's, everything's smooth, you know? So um, that's interesting though. I'm going to have to play with that dance metaphor a little bit because I, I think we're close to kind of cracking the code for them, but it's going to be because they both own their own sort of attachment style. Yeah. Owning that attachment style. And then actually in couples therapy, what, what I make, what I really emphasize is couples therapy is a different 
thing than individual therapy. So in the ownership that their partner has compassion for, they have empathy basically and care about that vulnerability of that, of that, uh, of their partner. And they're able to share it. So they connect. That's where the attachment, a solid attachment comes when there's a really good empathic connection. Like if I really get how scared you are in this situation and I care about you, then I'm going to not push you or not pull you. I can just sit and I'll be with you. It's okay. When you calm down, we can, we'll, we'll get through this together. So it becomes a secure attachment. Whereas if I say, don't do that, or, you know, you're stupid to feel that way or whatever, then you're going to, you're going to become reclusive. You're going to push pull away from me because you're so scared. And then that will isolate and then makes a more insecure attachment, which shows up in avoidant or anxious behavior. Yeah, I get it. Um, So I want to go back to the book for just uh, a few, a few minutes, because I wonder I don't want to put you on the spot exactly, but one of the things I love about your book is that you articulate what are called A skills, B skills, and C skills. Uh-huh. And I think that's so handy because it's people can latch onto that. They can remember because, of course, all the A skills start with A and all the B skills start with B and all the C skills start with C. But do you want to it's speak to that? amazing how that works. Huh? <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm a sucker for it because the book that I wrote was called um, The Relationship Alphabet, and it's all it's an alphabetical order through A to Z different topics. And so I'm a sucker for like repetition and alliteration and, you know, making things easy, but talk to me a little bit about A skills, B skills and C skills. So since this is a self-help book, um, you know, I've written more academic books and articles and stuff. So this is my first for sure, you know, real practical kind of thing. I wanted to make this very practical. So the idea is that a uh, an individual who reads it or a couple that reads the book, they can start saying, okay, is our fight more fight one, fight two, or fight three? And as they identify which fight it is, so for example, why can't you be more like me? I've then tied fight one to the A skills. So for example, things like appreciation um, would be an A skill that's tied to why can't you be more like me? So for example, if you get somebody who... Um, a partner who um, doesn't need as much sleep and can get up early in the morning, there might be some real benefits to have one of the partners in a couple be able to do that. They can get some stuff done in the morning. If they have kids, they can watch the little toddlers that are running around. They can actually partner better because they're different. And so the, the couple appreciates how that difference is helpful. But that same person might also go to bed at nine o'clock and the other person's up till midnight, right? So right. you could emphasize you're not like me and criticize it, or you can appreciate how that difference helps them. And so the, the fight one and A skills. Fight two is the same way. Our B skills, fight three is three C skills. So part B is, why can't you be more like uh, my family? Um, so being an intentional negotiator, how do you kind of get the best from both of your family backgrounds to make your couple the best? Or fight three is... Why can't you understand my pain? So the idea of compassion, really feeling empathy with, so it's a C skill for fight three, hmm. is going to be more helpful. So those are all different kinds of skills that you need depending on the fight you're having. Okay. And they actually comes from different frameworks of family therapy and couples therapy. They're different family therapy and couples therapy ideas or modalities that you're paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're more of an clinician like you, you can also get it from a clinician side of what do I need to pay attention to, which skills are going to fit them better. Yeah, no, I dig it. 
Um, and I like this idea of, and I, I'm a big fan of having couples kind of have a way to hit fast forward because if we've had this fight before, we know it lasts about 45 minutes. We know that I raise my voice. We know that you end up crying. We know that I get defensive and you get whatever it is. Like we know what the pattern is. And so if we can sort of go, can we just hit fast forward? Cause this is fight a, and then skip all of the actual save myself 45 minutes and yes. get to the part where, like I said to this couple the other day, what is the end of this is yeah. the end that somebody wins, you know, or that a door gets slammed or that, you know, somebody cries or is the end compassion or is the end appreciation. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can encode that stuff, sometimes it lets you skip the, the real, the real hard relational work that maybe you're not quite prepared to do because you're, because you're an avoider or you're anxious, you know, whatever it is. That's so. a good point. Yeah. So each of the fights give you a better perspective on what might really help um, to stop just the going around in circles and getting stuck in the old yeah. patterns that are just destructive. It reminds me, I had a client a while back who worked for Microsoft and he was leading this team for, I don't know, maybe like 16 years or something. And he talked about how on his team, they started, they would start conversations and he would go, is this number nine? Is this, <laughs> is this number six? Is this number eight? Like, because number nine ended with the, the, the employee solving the problem himself. And number eight ended with needing to escalate it. And number six ended with them having to call a meeting, you know, like, and so they, they encoded a ton of stuff that just saved them all this, him anyway, a ton of sort of listening through a lot of details before understanding exactly what was happening. So one of of the things I did was I pulled a lot of my uh, couples therapy professors and friends, colleagues, and said, what am I missing in these fights? Mm. And, and they said, you know, not too much because, you know, it, it, most of the fights that they see in the, in their room, in their therapy room can fit in these three Mm. or, or a big fight is incorporates all of them. You know, you can have a big fight that isn't simplified by just one area. You know, you can have a big money fight that can be about abandonment, family patterns and your personality all wrapped up in one. And that's a big, that's a harder one to sort out, you know? And people are more adept than they think because they'll be, they'll be fighting and somebody will start losing and they'll pick a different fight. Yes. They'll go straight into another a totally <laughs> different thing. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. We can't do two things at once. Like we need to st- yeah. let's stay with the first one so that we can figure out what's going on there. You used to call that an old school behavioral therapy kitchen sinking, which was, yeah. you know, you start adding, you have the dishes that are dirty and now you put in the pot and then you put in the glass, you know, like you just yeah. keep on putting stuff in the dirty sink, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate you talking to me. I'm, I'm a big fan of your book. I'm going to be recommending it. And also, in fact, I think um, just last week, the Huffington Post asked Laura and I for book recommendations. So I think it's going to be featured in one of their online articles here coming up pretty soon. So if you get a whole bunch of uh, commission checks flooding in your door, don't forget. forget I'll know where it came from. (laughs) Thanks, Laura. That's great. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming in for Laura. And um, I, again, I, I, I love your book. I'm glad that I finally read it and I'm grateful that you talked to me about it today. Yeah. Glad we had this time to chat too. And thanks for your endorsement. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Wasn't she cool? Um, I really enjoyed talking to her and I'm hoping that we can stay friends. She actually gave me a little bit of insider knowledge after we got off the phone that hopefully I'll be able to share with you later on. But for now, just remember to make sure that we have your email address 
uh, in just a couple weeks, we're going to be announcing or rolling out a new program that I hope that you will uh, be interested in. It's based particularly on the survey that you filled out. And, uh, and I hope it's going to meet you exactly where you are. For now, I hope you've had a great summer. And uh, I'm going to go over to a tennis match and watch my kid play and then headed to a wedding this weekend. And then, uh, like I said, next week, we're back on track with Laura. And I'm excited to uh, pick up where we left off. Thanks a lot. Bye. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.